In Exodus chapter 1, Exodus is this great book about the story of Moses. All right, I'm talking to the kids right now. Do the kids know who Moses is? Raise your hand, kids, if you know who Moses is. We're talking about Moses. You probably know about those really awesome, what seem to be cool. You see them in your, your books or on your Bible app or on the TV shows about the ten plagues. And Moses was asked by God to go to this mean, wicked Pharaoh and say, let my people go, right? That is a big job. We're going to work our way up to the point today where God asked Moses to go and do that. But I want us to work our way up there first. So uh, in chapter 1 of Exodus, it's talking about the children of Israel. And I just want to read it here and uh, start us off. Uh, Verse 1, chapter 1. Now these are the names of the children of Israel. And he lists the names. Uh, Verse 2, Reuben, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin. And he goes through and names them. But he gets to verse 7 and he kind of summarizes where they're at right now in their lives. He says, and the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. At this point in chapter 1, we begin with Israel multiplying, fruitful, increasing abundantly. Now, I can relate with that to some degree, and you can too. Listen, over the course of a year... We experience some fruitfulness, don't we? There are good times. Do you remember that time when you uh, either got a new job or you got a bonus or something good happened? Your, your child took their first steps or you accomplished this one thing you had been trying to do. You overcame something. That's where they're sitting. And in chapter 1, they're, we see multiplied blessings in the life of the children of Israel. But as you go through chapter 1, look at verse 8. It changes. Now there arose, there arose a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. See, Joseph was one of God's people that God used to like save Israel, to save Egypt and save Israel as well. And, and he like saved the whole people. He was second in command and he was used by God in a great way. But one day there came a king who didn't know who that guy was. It was years and years down the road. A new king that knew not Joseph. There were some circumstances that came into the children of Israel that were going to change their life. Look what this new king did. Verse 9, and he said unto his people, behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come on and let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. This new king that didn't know Joseph, he says, we're going to get rid of all of these people. So here's what he did. Therefore, verse 11, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities. Look at verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. See, sometimes in our life we experience multiplied blessings, fruitful times. But sometimes circumstances out of our control change our life. I know many of you personally 
And I know that we all have experienced over the last year circumstances that came in. Much like the children of Israel experienced circumstances that they had no control over that brought them affliction, that brought them burden. Whether that's financial, people in your family passing away, just burdens. We experience that, the change of circumstances. It's interesting to see in this change of circumstances, even in the midst, God allowed the children of Israel to multiply and grow. See, even in the difficult times that we have, God can work through that and help us to grow. Look in chapter 2. Um, as we finish chapter 1, uh, this, this same king that knew not Joseph, he wants to get rid of all of the male children of Israel. And uh, in chapter 2, we see that God begins to prepare Moses. Look at verse uh, 1, chapter 2. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. See, Moses was born into a particular family that God wanted him to be born into. And this family chose to follow God and put Moses into this basket, trusting him to God. And God took Moses' life and led him, and he, he went in this river, and all of a sudden we see that Moses is adopted into the house of Pharaoh. He's adopted into the house of Pharaoh. Look in uh, verse number 5. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. And uh, the story goes on that she said, You know what? I'm going to give this child back to this lady, which was his mother. And his mother took care of him and, and fed him and grew him. And then Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. God was preparing Moses. He protected him and he prepared him. And Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house, but there came a day when he was grown. Look in verse number 11. I want you to see this. Verse 11 says, And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown that he went out unto his brethren. This is among the children of Israel. At this point, he was thinking he was an Egyptian. He was raised to be an Egyptian. And he looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting a Hebrew one of his brethren, and he looked this way, and he looked that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did the wrong, wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? Um, look down in verse 15. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses, but Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. So Moses, as he gets older, he starts to create what we're going to look back on as his past. He gets a little bit older and he makes some decisions. He goes through life. Uh, he has the circumstances of life come about him, but he gets into this situation where he looks this way and then he looks this way and no one's watching him. And when no one's watching, he commits a sin. He makes a mistake. 
he killed an Egyptian. And this is something that changed his life. Changed his life. See, because he got a chance to choose his sin. And when he looked this way and this way, and I've heard it said he looked left and right, but he forgot to look up, right? God was watching him. See, we can choose the sin, but we can't choose the consequence of the sin. And this would affect his whole life. Can you relate to that? We, as the adults in the room, we have grown up. Over our life, we've made choices and decisions, and we've said some things, we've done some things, and those have caused us consequences. Those have changed our life. Moses, he's afflicted with the shame and the guilt. He's facing punishment in Egypt, and so he runs away. See, his life gets messy. He runs away, he flees Egypt to a point where he is in this place called Midian. And for 40 years, he stays in Midian. For 40 years, he's in this transition spot of his life. This place where he's trying to get back on his feet. He's trying to get things back under control. You know, he, he grew up in this, he had this great upbringing, but then he made some mistakes that set him back. I know that some of you can probably relate to that. There's some things this past year or in your life that you've done that have set you back. They've, they've caused you shame. They've caused you guilt. They've caused you uh, your relationship with God. Maybe is isn't where it should be. Moses gets into this place of transition. And maybe that's where you're at today, going into 2018. You're in this place of transition, getting back on your feet. You've already created a past, but you're looking forward to a change. And Moses, he does. He finds that change in chapter 2. He finds it in Midian. And in Midian, uh, we can read here verse 16. Uh, now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. And they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them and watered their flock. Moses, on a day when these daughters of this uh, man, Ruel, uh, he these daughters come in and they're not able to get water. So he helps them. He does a good deed this time. And this would lead him to a new family, a new job, and a new perspective on his life. Moses was restored in Midian. Uh, In Midian, he found his second chance, okay? He found a new home, a new family, a new purpose, a new career, and his job was there to watch the sheep, to keep the flock of his father-in-law. Now, I want us to get down to verse 23 of chapter 2. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. See, Moses is out here in Midian, and, and he used to be in Egypt, but now he's out here in Midian, and back there in Egypt are the children of Israel, and they're crying to God. God, our bondage is great. God, we, we have a need. In verse 24, something very important happens. See, this is where God comes into this picture, and where God's mission and God's purpose comes into view. See, God was affected. He heard their groaning and remembered his covenant with Abraham with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. 
God had something now in his heart that he wanted to do. He made a promise to these people that one day they would live in a land flowing with milk and honey, but now they were in the land of bondage. And his heart was to take them out of Egypt and send them to the promised land. You with me? And so this is in the mind of God. And so in chapter 3, we see God come to Moses. Moses is out there. The Bible says he's keeping the flock. And all of a sudden, as he's walking by, there is a bush over here like these. These are burning bushes today. And these bushes were burning. These ones look like they're burning. I think the leaves are dying. They got dark spots on them. They're pretty, you can't see them from out there. That's why I left them up here. Um, but the burning bush was there, and the, the interesting thing was the bush was burning, but it wasn't consumed. It was a fire, but the bush stayed there. And when Moses came up, we know the story that he came up to the bush, and he recognized the bush, and God spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. I want to read it so we can see exactly what God said. Uh, verse number four of chapter three. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Don't come closer. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them out of that land unto a good land, and a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and to the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Okay, they're going to go take over this land. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is coming to me. And I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Look what he tells Moses. Come now, therefore. I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God says to Moses, I'm calling you to make a change. I'm calling you to leave where you're at and go do something that I want you to do. God called Moses, he says, I'm asking you, Moses, to go before Pharaoh and bring my people out of Egypt into the promised land. And here's what's going to happen. And here's the, the message is going to go fast and it's going to go short. But here's what I want to explain to you. The children of Israel worked up to this point. There was some stuff that happened in life to get them to where God was answering their prayer to pull them out of Egypt. Moses, in the same way, he went through his life and he made some mistakes and there was some stuff that happened to prepare him to get him to this point to where God would call him. But we're going to see this morning, and this is the point, that, the, that if you had to title the message, that was all introduction, if you had to title the message, it's this, no more excuses. No more excuses. 
when Moses gets to this point, God says, I'm calling you. I'm telling you, I'm asking you to do something for me. I'm asking you to live the life that I have designed for you to live. I'm asking you to do my will. And Moses is going to start throwing out some excuses of why he can't do what God is calling him to do. And you know what? Every single one of us does the same thing. Every single one of us has excuses, reasons for why we don't do what God has said we should do, then he wants us to do, and we give those excuses. Sometimes year after year, day after day, month after month, we give these excuses, these reasons that are based on lie and not based on the truth found in Scripture. So I want us to see for the rest of this morning, for this message, is that God has called every one of us and that we need to take those excuses we make and to combat them and to refute them with the truth of Scripture. So that when we leave today, going into 2018, we don't walk in saying, I can't because of, and we're going to see those excuses. We don't walk in saying, I don't have enough. We don't walk in giving God excuses for why we're not going to do what he's already provided and planned and equipped us to do. You with me? This is where it gets good. Here we go. So God has called every one of us. He says to Moses specifically, I want you to go to Egypt and get my people and bring them out to the promised land. But it is so important to recognize, you say, God hasn't called me. God calls every single one of us. We are followers of Christ and worshipers of the one true God, and we live our lives according to God's word. God has called us to live by faith. God has called us to make disciples. Here is the calling that God has given every single one of you. Matthew 28, verse 18, and Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, listen, this is Jesus saying this, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. I've got all authority. I've got every right to command. I have all the power. And here's what that one with all power says. Go ye, therefore, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. See, God has called us out of darkness into light, and he's given us this job. He's, He's given us as the church a great commission, a great calling. He says, you know what? Any man that's saved, anyone that's saved, uh, if, if you anyone be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You're not going into 2018 as just a normal everyday Joe. You're going into 2018 if you know Christ as Savior as a born again follower of the one true God. You're going in with a purpose. You're going in with a mission. You're going in with a calling. See, God, when he calls us, he makes us a new creature and he gives us a new job. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18 says that all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. God says, you know what? You used to be, you had your sin in your life, you were the old man and you used to do your own thing. You had your own goals, you were trying to please me your own way, but that's not, that's not what it's about. You've now received Christ as Savior. You know he died for you, he was buried, he rose from the dead, and now that you believe on him, I have a job for you. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Your job, every single one of you in here that knows Christ, your job is to find people that are far from God 
And your job is to reconcile those people back to God because of Jesus Christ. That's your job. It doesn't matter if you're a banker or a doctor or a pastor or a mom that stays at home. It doesn't matter what you are in your career, but your mission, your calling is this calling. This is the Great Commission. Are you with me? This is our goal when we go into the new year. He has called us to live every day doing everything for his glory. See, this call to follow Christ isn't just specific to uh, when we talk to people about Christ. It's all-encompassing. The Bible says, uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. We have very big jobs ahead of us this year. God's given the job that we need to reach the entire world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only that, while doing so, God has given you fathers the job to lead your family. That is a tough job. To pray, to lead, to walk with God. Parents, to raise children. God has given you also the responsibility to represent him as his follower in your workplace, to be honest, to be just, to shine as a light in the world. These are big jobs. Maybe God is calling you like, uh, like Moses to a specific task. Maybe he wants you to start something, begin a ministry, st- uh, start serving in church, join a group. Maybe he wants you to just attend church faithfully, read your Bible through this year. Whatever it is, God has call on your life and we don't want to make excuses. See, God is calling you, but here's what I want to ask, and then we're going to get into these excuses. Are your goals for 2018 God's goals? See, I'm not talking about making excuses of why you're not a millionaire. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. Or, or why you can't get that new car this year in 2018. Some of you have goals to, uh, the, all, all of your goals are self-centered, self-focused goals of making money and bettering your life. Um, this is not what I'm talking about, all right? I'm talking about the character goals, the spiritual goals, the family goals that, that come with following Christ. Are your goals his goals this year? All right, three excuses that Moses made. You ready for them? You might want to write these down. There are three categories of excuses. Number one is the excuse of identity. Excuses of identity. Look in chapter three, verse number 10. Um, uh, God told Moses, come now, therefore, I'm going to send you unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Read those next three words with me. Who am I? Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? We make these excuses for not doing what God has called us to do. God, I'm not the right person. Why would you pick me? I am not the right one to raise these kids, to lead this family, to be part of this ministry, to talk to my neighbor about Christ. Why me? Why? This excuse of identity. Moses, he said, who am I? God, why did you pick me? Listen, that is an excuse we could throw out all day. But God does not make mistakes. And God chose Moses on purpose. Do you get that? 
He chose Moses on purpose, and for whatever task he's calling you to do, he has picked you specifically for it. Parents, he has called you to parent your children. Specifically, that's your role. You need to man up and do it, or woman up and do it. All right? Listen, this is something where God, this excuse of identity, who am I? I'm not the right person. This is not a biblical excuse. Let me tell you who you are. You are created by God. Psalm 139 verse 14 tells us that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You say, I'm, it's me. Who am I? I'm no one special. Listen, you are created God thought about exactly how he made you to be just you, fearfully, wonderfully. You are created by God. So is Moses. Not only are you created, but you are prepared. You are prepared. Listen, Moses, he said, who am I? I wonder if when he said that, he thought about all those mistakes he made in his past. I wonder if that memory of him killing the Egyptian came up in his mind. See, sometimes when God says, I want you to do this, we think everyone else can do it, but not us because of what I've done, who I've been. But you need to realize here that sometimes God can even take our messy past and use it for his glory. It's part of our preparation. You are who you are today because of the choices you've made, good and bad. And the Bible says that we know, Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I am in no way saying that God condones sin, but I will tell you that sometimes God takes your messy past and he says, I'm going to take that past. I'm going to take your past experiences. I'm going to take your past schooling. I'm going to take your family, your background. I'm going to take where you came from and that's going to prepare you for a specific job that only you can do. And that's exactly what happened with Moses. But he gave the excuse, who am I? See, God has prepared us. See, part of our preparation, you see God preparing, you know, part of our preparation is that we need to change the perspective of our past. Some of you think, man, my past has wrote me off. I can never, ever do anything again for God. That is a lie. Listen, I don't care how other people have defined you. I don't care how you have defined you, whatever label, name, failure, quitter, uh, whatever, liar. I don't care what label you've given yourself. God is not labeling you that. He has taken you just like Moses, or maybe he will take you this year and put you on the backside of the desert in a period of transition to where he can get you to where he wants you to be, and he's going to use your past for his glory. We need to change our perspective. Not only has God created you, not only has God prepared you, but God is with you. Listen to God's response to Moses in verse 11. Moses said, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, here's God's answer, certainly, certainly, that's a word that means for sure, I will be with thee. Certainly I will be with thee. Sometimes we're so self-centered and self-focused that we even think, God, this is all about me. You've called me to do this task, and so it all depends on me. Well, that's not the case. See, when God calls you, he not only calls you, he goes with you. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It's in verse 19. Which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. See, for the Christian, we live in a time where the very God lives within our hearts. He lives with us to guide us and to direct us and to teach us scripture and to help us discern what is right and what is wrong and what we should do and what we should say. And he's with us. The full power of God dwells within our body. So when we go to do the job, you don't have to say, who am I? You need to know who is in you. It's not about who you are. It's who's with you, all right? God is with you. Ephesians 3.20, one of my very favorite verses, says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. See, the Bible says, him that is able, not me that is able. God is able. He has ability to do what he wants to do, but he wants to do it through you. You follow me? See, there's this excuse of identity, and it's just not going to work. We need to realize that it's not about who I am, but about who's with me, and the fact that who I am is exactly who God wants me to be. Here's the second excuse. It's the excuse of limited resources. The excuse of limited resources. We go on through chapter 3, and uh, he starts talking about uh, this, what he's going to do when he gets to Egypt. But I want you to see what happens in chapter 4, verse 1. And Moses answered and said, but, like, if God tells you to do something, don't say but. I hate it when my kids, like, I need you to go and put your dishes in the sink. But, but, like, any parents hate that word? But? Yeah, quit it, you know? We do the same thing with God, but, but behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. Here's what he's saying in this. This is the excuse of limited resources. He's saying, I'm going to go to these people, and they're not going to believe me because I don't have anything to offer them. Who am I? What is my authority here? What is my influence here? What do I have to offer? I don't have money. I'm, he says, I'm coming to them empty-handed. They're not going to believe me. And he's forgetting that God is with him. Look at what God's response is. God says, verse number two, the Lord said unto him, what is in thine hand? What is in thine hand? He says, Moses, you say you're not going to have enough. You're, you're limited resources. He says, you know what, Moses? Just show me what you have. What's in your hand? And he goes on, and he, Moses had a staff, just a stick. And he has his stick, and God takes this stick and makes it into a serpent. And he says, you know what? When you get there, you take what you have, and you do what I tell you to do with it, and put it down on the ground, and it's going to turn into a serpent. And because of what I do with what you already have, they're going to believe you. See, so many times we think, I just, I don't have the funds. I don't have the resources. I don't have what I need to do this job. I just don't have it. God's not asking what you don't have. He's asking what you do have. He says to Moses, what's in your hand? What do you have in your hand? How much money do you make? How much love is in your heart? What do you have? See, whatever you have, 
the personality that you have, the skills that you have, the money that you have, the time that you have. God is just saying, what do you have? Throughout the scripture, we see story after story where there's nothing, and there's this great need, and there's nothing. There's no resources, but the resources come when the people give God just what they have in their hand. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God can use what is in your hand. And here's the last excuse. This is the excuse of inability. The excuse of inability. Look in chapter 4 and verse 10. So God tells him, I'm going to use what's in your hand. And then he says, I'm going to use what's even not in your hand. He does this cool trick and creates leprosy and this incredible miracle. But look in verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent. Neither heretofore. He uses words like heretofore. That's English. But uh, if you say heretofore, I would think you are eloquent. But uh, this is an English version, obviously. Uh, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow to speech. I am of a slow tongue. Moses said, God, I don't have the right talents. I don't have the right abilities. I am not equipped to do this job. I am not, I am not a good speaker, is what he's saying. You want me to go to Pharaoh? I just am not eloquent, God. I don't measure up to the task. Have you ever felt like you don't measure up? Listen, I, I feel on a very frequent, I feel daily, that I am completely, utterly inadequate to be a husband to my wife, to be a father to my kids, uh, to handle things that go just come up in life. Life is stressful. Things come up and circumstances are hard and we come and we just feel like I cannot do this I cannot I am not adequate for the task that I that is before me you feel that in your career you feel that in your home you feel that all the time and Moses says the same thing I am not adequate see excuse of inability listen here here's the truth that refutes that excuse See, you may say you're not eloquent or you don't have the skills. Do you know that God creates you with the skills and abilities that he needs for you to do the job? 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. In this church, God has given every single one of you that knows Christ as Savior a spiritual gift. He's also given you talents and passions. And he, well, he, he's given those to you, the Bible says, as it hath pleased him, exactly the way he wants. He, even Moses, this, this guy Moses is interesting because he grew up under the best teachers in the best schools in Egypt as a child of the Pharaoh. And even him, somebody with a high education, he was saying, I'm not adequate. It's just something we feel. But God has created us with those abilities just the way he wants. And you know what? God was going to use Moses with his limited ability. He, look, look what happened in verse number 11. Moses makes the excuse and God says, And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb, or the deaf, or the seeing, or the blind? 
Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. Sometimes we come to God and we say, God, I can't do this. And he says, I can do it through you. I can use this, uh, this inability you think you have. It's, it's, it is an ability, and I can use it. He says, Moses, I'm going to speak through you. But Moses makes another excuse. He said, oh, my Lord, send, I pray thee, by the hand of him who, whom thou wilt send. It's like, can you get somebody else for this? Is there somebody else you can do for this? Look what happens. Verse 14, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. God got angry. Why do you keep making excuses, Moses? Why do you keep telling me why you can't do this? He says, here's what I'm going to do. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee. And when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. See, God, when we're limited, he can still use us. But you know what he does? He brings people into our life to help us. So in this situation, Aaron was used to help Moses. And so I've asked Aaron, why don't you come up here, Aaron? I'm going to illustrate with you. The Bible's talking about Aaron, and it's just so, so fitting that I have a friend named Aaron. Aaron, get up here. Come on. We're going to get the Israelites out of Egypt. This is Aaron Matthews. Uh, Aaron is one of my friends. And uh, I know that I have had times in 2017 where I was down. I've called Aaron discouraged. I've called him and told him stuff that was wrong. I told him and told him stuff that was right. But Aaron, much like the Aaron in the Bible, was there to support me when I could not do it on my own. You see, this year in 2018, you may say, you may be making excuses of you have limited resource, you have limited ability. God, why me? That's fine. But those are bad excuses. We've already refuted those. But you say, I'm going at this all alone. I just feel like I'm by myself. The truth is, that's why we're here. That's why we're in this church. It's because we need people like Aaron. I built Aaron up. Aaron is really a friend. This is the guy that will text you to see how you're doing. When you're broke down, it hasn't happened to me, but if you helped me when I was broken down, he did take me to the airport several times, but I've known Aaron to stop and drop what he's doing to go help somebody that broke down. Uh, call him Aaron. I don't know how to change a tire. Uh, there's, yeah, that's been a few times I've heard you, I'm going to change a tire. And uh, God puts people in your life to support you. So that when we go through these things that God's calling us to do, parenting, job, just life, reaching the world for Christ, we don't do it by ourselves. We do it together. My buddy. All right, you can sit down. We're going to his house for, to celebrate tonight too. Um, <clears throat> Here's the final application. Listen, we can make excuses. I, I get that. And Moses did his fair share. But at the end of the day, there is still people in Israel, there is still a command from God to go. And we need to stop making excuses. See, I'm wrapping this up here, but we come to 2018 and we get here. And God has called you not to just be a dad, but to be a leader of your home. 
not just to be a mom, but to love those kids and train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God has called you not just to have a job, but to work your job as unto the Lord, to be honest, to walk in the light. God has called you not to be just a Christian that's just, I'm just saved, but I'm going to heaven, but I'm not doing much else. Listen, God has called you to be an engaged church member. He's called you to serve. He's called you to reach your neighbors. He's called you. And just like Moses, we say, God, I, I'm, not, I'm not enough. God, I don't have what I need. God, and we just make excuse after excuse. And so here's my challenge to you today is that you decide every time you, you tell yourself and that voice in your head says, I'm not going to do it because of this or I can't do it because of this. You need to look this year in the scripture for the truth because God says you are able. God says I am with you. God says I've given you everything you need. And God will help us to be successful in his calling this year.